Good evening and welcome to Horror. I'm Lee. I'm Chris. I'm Adam. I'm Jennifer. And our special guest is... Hey, it's about... Oh, did you want me to introduce myself or did you get... I don't know. I don't yeah, know. Did I, I already fucked up the recording, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> that's why we invite you on here. <laughs> yeah, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. We are joined by the amazing Pinball Bobby all the way over in Texas in his own lockdown. How's it going, Bobby? It's great. You guys gave me a reason to put on pants today, so I, I certainly appreciate <laughs> that uh, microcosm of normality. You might be alive. You can only see your top half. Yes, <laughs> that's true. But I know. And you've got no sleeves. No, no, so. no, yeah, I did. St- I, I have retired all sleeves. <laughs> Is it hot over There's there? There's no reason for it anymore. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm like my thing is like I am in my my office where I do a lot of the recording and stuff, but I also work here all day. Thank God. I'm still working from home and everything, but um, there's a lot of like heat coming off like the speakers and the computer and the external hard drive and all the screens and stuff. And it gets very warm sometimes. So, um, and I've never been a fan of sleeves to begin with. So I figured um, in addition to no sleeves, I I stopped like I I stopped were being as health conscious, which is probably not recommended right now. But what I mean is, like, I'm drinking like regular Coca Cola right now. Like, <gasps> oh. yeah. See, anyway, here we can't. Well, that that would immediately put us out of pocket. The sugar tax is over here. So yeah. really, yeah. yeah. Normal Coke costs. I don't know what thirty p more than. Wow. It's not worth it. It's nostalgic for exactly four sips, and I'm like, ugh, I'm gonna get cavities. (laughs) But your dentist is really happy to hear Mm -hmm. it. (laughs) Job security. Um, so we, uh, as agreed previously, have covered uh, the movie Pontypool, um, which Bobby we know is a big fan of, uh, and said he was looking for an excuse to rewatch. Hence, uh, extending the invite out, as we're always, or we always do, we're always happy to have you with us. But we know when you're on house arrest, it makes life a lot easier, obviously. That's right. Um, I am, I am available to any of you guys on or off a podcast. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, <don't> <laughs> <worry>. <laughs> um, so before we get into Pontypool, as we've all been locked up with very little else to do, I know we only recorded a couple of days ago. Chris, have you watched anything horror or vaguely horror-related since last? Yeah, well, we've still been working our way through Game of Thrones, so we're now about to enter Season 8 next. Oh. So it's, it's Season 7, when it started, I, I wasn't too sure. I was wondering if it was going downhill at that point, and I hadn't heard anything, but I thought that it improved all the way through, mm. and it's completely recaptured me again, so... I'm now really excited to be disappointed for season eight. <laughs> You're all ready for that disappointment. Well, or not. As, yeah, Lee likes it, so, you know, it might be good. Yeah, yeah, I didn't hate it. I thought it was yeah, quite okay, good. All right, that's... that's, that's <laughs> uh, Adam has frozen. Oh, no, he hasn't frozen. He's having a drink <laughs> pause. He's just acting frozen. Yeah. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Adam has got his butling staff there pouring his champagne. What a ponce. <laughs> no, this is a very luxurious apocalypse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. 
I'm As going for the. I'm there, pouring his red stripe into his drinking <laughs> jar. <laughs> I'm going Omega Man with this. You know, I'm at the top of my. <laughs> I'm staying humble right now. Yeah, <laughs> keeping it real. Um, so, Adam, what have you watched since last time, if anything? Uh, I watched a really good documentary that uh, the aforementioned Dr. Dean got for me for my birthday called Mansfield 6667, which is basically just lots of people and John Walters talking about how Jane Mansfield was in the Church of Satan. Oh, um, nice. And sort of like the various sort of, oh, it's a curse. It's this, it's that sort of stuff to do with it. That was really cool. As John Waters says, he's quite happy to turn up for any Talking Heads documentary or whatever like that. So, yeah, he's uh, really good on there. But the main thing was I watched The Lure, which is a Polish um, mermaid horror musical. Wow. Do that again. (laughs) A Polish horror musical about mermaids. And proper mermaids with vicious teeth that rip people apart and are cannibals. Well, nice. they're not technically cannibals because they're not eating other mermaids, but you know what I mean. They, they're yeah. manny. <laughs> uh, and, um, yeah, it's really good because it's like, it's kind of, because I know this is a film that Bobby's been trying to get Adam to watch for a while. In my head, it's kind of how I imagine the film Liquid Sky to be. Because basically these mermaids come out of the sea, meet a band who work in a strip club, and they form an electro band. What's this film called again, sorry? The Lure. Uh. And it's essentially The Little Mermaid, because one of the two mermaids... <laughs> well, <laughs> but it's, it's the story. She, oh. she falls in love. She falls in love. She has to get her, her legs removed, to, uh, but loses her voice. And, like, she can't sing anymore. And the other one couldn't give a fuck and is just, you know, ripping people out 24-7. But it is a genuine musical. But the songs are really good. And it's just, yeah, it's just, the, it's one of those ones where I've watched it. And then the more I've thought about it, the more I've actually enjoyed it as well. And I've got the soundtrack to it uh, and been listening to that. And it's like, I don't understand anything these people are saying. But I still get the emotion of the film. Um, yeah. And also, there's just at one point I'm going to have to take a picture of the band who work in the strip club in it and post it up as one of those I'm going to tell my grandkids that this was Goldfrap. <laughs> just kind of fall into that trap. But it's like genuinely, it's like a genuine musical, genuinely good, but also the horror elements are really good and the mermaid elements are really good. And yeah, it's just sort of borderline fucked up. And it's also one of those films that makes you wish you were a teenage girl, because if you discovered it, you'd go around being fucking Elfa Leather for about three weeks and just being a complete arsehole. You know, it just inspire you, I feel, to be... <laughs> now, now, are the musical numbers in this film, are they, are they a, a good thing, or do you kind of zone out during them? Weirdly enough, and I'll, I'll full disclosure... Lockdown occurred before I could secure any form of herbal remedies or, you know, the sort of the medicines yeah. that I may need to smoke. And um, <laughs> I still watched it and still was into it. So, you know, I'm definitely putting that as a plus. 
And the musical numbers is weird because you've got half of them are performances. Like it's the actual band just doing a performance. And then others are sort of narrative within it, which are the right. sort of weird mellow ones. And they, they actually work quite well because they're quite melancholy and all the actual sort of band numbers are quite up. Almost like uh, a oh, Phantom of the Paradise kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Where and some of it's on and, stage and... Yeah, that's it, yeah. And, but they also Miami meet, Connection, by the sounds of it. There you go. They also meet, <laughs> they also meet a... Um, they also meet Triton, the, the, the sea god Triton, who also has formed like a thrash punk band. Uh, every one time of the they see an element in... This is going higher and higher up my watch list. It is now yeah, seriously, seriously, seriously check it out because it's it was one of those films that it started off and I was like, yeah, no, I'll put that on because I haven't watched it. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then just slowly drooping more and more in and everything. And you'll love it anyway, Lee, because it's like it's a it's a musical but a good one with murders. Cool, sounds good. Sounds amazing. Oh. It's I was really shocked at sort of like how. Because it's one of those ones that have been sort of put, because it's 2015. So yeah. when I first heard about it was when it first came out. So I've been sort of waiting and then I just I managed to pick it up in HMV a um, couple of uh, few weeks back now, obviously. And um, yeah, so I thought I'll finally get around to this. And yeah, it was really fucking good. I was quite sort of, I was pleasantly surprised because it was one of those things where you think, I've been thinking about this for so long and then no one else has said about it. So maybe it's shit. Uh, but no, I really enjoyed it. So, yeah, fantastic. That is definitely top of my yeah, watch list. Cool. I've also half watched a film, but I'll talk about that later because it does relate to Pompey Paul. Okay. Yeah. I was I was watching it because of Pompey Paul, and I'll explain later. Mm-hmm. Oh, Bobby, what have you been watching recently that's uh, worth a recommend? Um, well, <laughs> or is worth that's a tall order actually. Um, <laughs> I have been spending a lot of quarantine kind of trying to get caught up on all the, you know, iconic slashers that I always see, like, gr- people grumbling about in a good way online um, within, you know, horror community circles and stuff. And I had never seen the 1982 now uh, agreed upon from myself recommended movie called Pieces. Ah, yes. Which is... Oh. A- an Italian director, I believe, and Lee, I know you have you're indifferent about Italian horror, but <laughs> that's fine. Let me just give you the premise and, and I'll let you make the call. Um, basically, it's about a boy that's a little uh, the classic trope of like the boy without a father at the beginning, and the mother's absolutely insane. And uh, he's putting together this puzzle of a uh, like a, a nudie puzzle of a lady. Um, this was before the internet when you had to work for it. Um, <laughs> and uh, his unhinged mother comes in and then he just snaps and ends up like cutting her into pieces, hence the name. Um, and then it flashes forward and it's like it's like a, a college campus kind of who done it, but we know who really did it. Um, uh, about these people, these women that get murdered and like like all the appendages kind of it's not really a spoiler because it's pretty easy to see where it's going, but the appendages are eventually um, uh, reunited, um, not reunited, but united into a uh, another um, 
a corpse, like a Frankenstein-y lady corpse. Like um, Prime with the Transformers. Yes, yes. Um, it's wonderful. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Pieces from 1982. It's It's got a lot of like uh, the classic like um, giallo, like black... You know, black gloves and yeah. and, uh, and oh, knives yeah. and stuff like that. But um, it also has a lot of like '80s, um, like camp to it as well, like slasher camp. So it's a nice little combination of both of those. Excellent. I did. Um, uh, Arrow released it. Uh, mm. Oh, it must have been a few years back now. Um, and I actually picked it up, but it's it's still in the cellophane on the on the shelf. I haven't gone around to it, but. Yeah, I've not known anyone who didn't enjoy it, so I think it's definitely. Yeah. definitely I think you should give it a go. Right, in that case, I promise I shall. Um, and oddly enough, in a strangely similar vein, um, I did the same this week. Uh, I'd never seen the classic slasher Sleepaway Camp. Mm. <gasps> um, yeah. Despite yes. the fact I knew the twist, obviously, who doesn't know yeah. the twist? I don't um, know the twist. It's a dance that was popularised by Chubby Checker. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, But yeah, I watched it. It's it's a really strange film. Yeah. I think I enjoyed it. But yeah, it was really fucked up. Um, The the whole pedo chef thing? Like, (laughs) what the... What was that all about? But, you know, I mean... That's what you call a hook. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll let you finish, but I have many a thoughts on this movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, so again, it's just uh, you know, like you say with pieces, it's one of those everyone references the very early, very classic. I think there's like four or three or four sequels as well. There's a whole bunch of them. Um, don't know if I necessarily am going to be rushing out to see any of those. Um, there was I I saw I can't remember whether it's two or three. But this was um, a birthday party, um, and we were all like, I don't know, like twelve or thirteen or whatever. But the front cover has Freddie and Jason. That's part two. Uh, yeah, it's two. <laughs> there we go. Uh, because two people dress up as Freddie and Jason at one point. Oh, sneaky <laughs> bastards! Yeah. So I think this was like a bunch of hyped up, like thirteen-year-olds. We all thought we were going to see. Freddy versus Jason, like fifteen years before that was even a thing. And <laughs> no, it was Sleepaway Camp two. <laughs> all right, two that... and three are definitely very different than the first one. Um, they're mm. they're all fun though. Uh, I I'm a huge fan of that entire series. Cool. Oh, glad well, to you hear. met you met the the lady herself as well, didn't you? Yeah, I have. My wife got me a throw pillow of Etsy of Angela. Uh, the the main girl in that movie. It's, I'm oh, looking at it right now. It's amazing. I mean, yeah, I love Sleepaway Camp. Yeah, excellent. In that case, I sh- uh, and the other thing we watched, but we have recorded a mini episode which will drop before this episode, so you've all heard about it already. But just for those of you who are who have missed it or who are on here, uh, we've just watched the Stephen Volk miniseries uh, Midwinter of the Spirit uh, about the exorcist vicar. Uh, yeah, by the guy who did Ghostwatch. And it was awesome. So uh, oh. 
But yeah, as I say, we did like a little 10 minute episode that's already dropped by this point. So, but yeah, go and check out Midwinter of the Spirit. Cool. Right. If everyone is ready, shall we tackle the main uh, topic for this evening? Yes. The entirely batshit uh, <laughs> and somehow still great uh, Ponty Paul. So, yeah. so Bobby, you'd seen this before, but would do a rewatch. Is that correct? Yeah, I actually um, during the height of the whole Walking Dead phenomenon, um, I you know, and I I was always pretty much into zombies, but I was very into zombies then. And I was like, you know, I haven't seen any zombie movies. I, I'm not familiar with any zombie movies that came out like after 2000, other than like 28 Days Later and things like that. So I, I was randomly just searching online for lists that say like best modern zombie movies. And I ended up ordering like two or three of them online. And this came and I, I had no idea what it was. I ended up watching it and it just it left me, you know, gutted. I was I was in love with this movie. I'm in love with all the characters and I actually haven't seen it probably since that first time I watched it. And I'm glad you guys um, are doing, doing this. So uh, yeah, it's, it's a good one. I say my, uh, I'm very similarly. So I'd only seen it once before watching it for the podcast. Um, I went to a rehearsal with Adam uh, with Dr. Dean and other previous dressed uh, guest drew uh, and it was supposed to be a rehearsal we sat down we got all tuned up he sat down to roll a cigarette put the beginning of ponty pool on for no apparent reason and we all sat there for an hour and 26 minutes and watched the entire film for well, a week after the that, first minute that is why it's hard not, not to be hooked <laughs> but, uh, so chris what did you make of this film uh i'm gonna throw it back at you hands up who think i hated it hands up who think i loved it Loved it. Must have loved, loved it. it. I loved it. I don't think he liked it. <gasps> oh, go on, go on. Let's go around. I, go I on, think ladies. he's an intelligent man. I think he will appreciate the intelligence of it. <laughs> I think I'm going I'm to get love, but see, I think it's a brilliant film. But the idea is, is it re- stupid, really? No, it's it's quite it, realistic. I don't know. So, Bobby, oh, oh, oh that's, that's interesting. Oh, yeah, no, that, that is a point that I we could come back to. The only reason I'm going to say that you did not like it is because you asked that question in the first place. (laughs) But I will say, you guys should do that on every episode now at the beginning of each uh, show. Yeah. Well, we got to vote on if Chris liked it or not. Anyway, uh, I'm I'm going to go no, you didn't like it. All right. Bobby and Lee were wrong. Good. Good. Thank God. High five, Adam. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, from, from the that, first that short episode where we told the fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this isn't going to work out anymore. But I do like what Lee came up with because because that could be an interesting little little conversation. But yeah, no, from the first voiceover, him talking, even just his voice, I was like, yeah, I'm I'm just he sounds great. I could just probably watch him as soon as he appears and starts getting on with it. I, I mean, tell me if I got this wrong, right? But so roughly he was saying after a big event, people start seeing connections everywhere and a sense mm-hmm. that something big is going to happen, but something big is always going to happen. And so this idea of perception and after things happen, you see everything differently, uh, which I thought is that as it started to unfold and you know there's something weird happening when the woman knocks on the window 
and he arrives. And I was interested just to see how good he was going to be as a radio host, and I thought he was fantastic. I mean, I don't I know. Totally listen to him. <laughs> yeah, like surely he is a radio host, isn't he? Or he turns out he's a good actor, right? But yeah, so so you go to work and you get on with things, and then weird stuff starts happening. But sometimes weird stuff happens. You still get on with your job. But at what mm. point is it weird enough that you're okay? I've got to take a different action than I normally take. This this is the point now where. I have to do something different. And so that bit where he um, he's then starting, and I thought they, they did this so well, as it starts to get weird, and you're thinking, oh, is, is he been infected somehow? What, like, what's going on with him? And then he's like, I'm, I'm going out, and he's obviously acting a bit crazy, and you're like, well, is he crazy? But no, you would start acting crazy, because you're like, well, no, this is bigger than than anything I imagined would ever happen. And is it actually happening? And, you know, it's like, that was fantastic. Um, yeah, so... Like, yeah, I pretty much loved all of it. Um, aside from the, I don't know if the science holds up, you know, I don't think that could ever happen. I think that was my only down, my only downside, and it wasn't enough to spoil this movie. I totally love this movie. But yeah, I think I was, I think I was less skeptical of it the first time, but this time I was like, yeah, I'm not sure that train of thought holds up or actually makes any sense whatsoever. So, but. Not yeah, enough. That's interesting. <laughs> I wasn't so bothered about it because I was enjoying just everything else that was happening. I was like, yeah, I'm not too worried about how realistic it could be. Just, yeah, just hearing him talk and the way he changed. Um, and then, and, you know, even the guy in the helicopter who's not really in the helicopter. <laughs> yeah, that was great. <laughs> uh, but apparently, you don't want to send your kids near him. Yeah, the, <laughs> the science of the realism of all was just so forgivable from from my point of view because it is such a good movie and because it is such a like fresh original take on the traditional yeah, yeah. zombie situation as well yeah got, uh, and, and i really liked that there wasn't too much zombie action either it, yes you know, I, no, that's so well done half the film was you know the build-up and just hearing it and they did that fantastically Mm, definitely that's what made it interesting because you kind of kept waiting for what was happening in the build-up yeah so good it wasn't just straight in with sort of slasher and over the top and i think that's why it was believable i almost hadn't even mm. questioned the science because yeah. you're expecting an over-the-top zombie movie and of course it isn't it's much more subtle than that so you sort of go with it i think yeah, right I think if they'd have gone for the crazy end you'd have probably that's probably when the, because it's so real and domestic and small scale, mm. yeah. you kind of go with it where it's like, shit, that's possible mm. because of how well they sell it. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, they didn't try to o o go over the top. Yeah, like, it, like, the end was fantastic. The way if you noticed, she knew what was going on. Mm. It's one of those like sm small casts in a cons confined space movies mm -hmm. which i'm a huge fan of and there's i feel like in those it's almost like a almost like a play like it all could take place on a stage or something because yeah. it's in one place um but like it, what i notice with movies like that is like especially this one it doesn't have like a rigid first act second act third act resolution climax it does have those things but they're a lot more subtle because all it is like uh i think jennifer was saying is like it it just builds up so slowly it holds your attention with such great characters and great character moments. And then 
through the whole film, it just glimmers little pieces of the horror that forces you, which is all auditory as well. It doesn't show you anything. Mm. It's all through the voice of this guy's radio show. So it forces you to actually conjure these image, uh, images up yourself, right? So, yeah. for example, it sounds like a child screaming inside of his breath. Holy what? shit. That is a horrible <laughs> line. It's so cutting. Yes. Yeah. And 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 that's I think that's one of the biggest you know assets of this movie is just the way that it it forces if you're paying attention to it mm-hmm. and you're engaged it's in it and again the characters and the performances really help draw you in with that it's pretty visceral and real and um, it 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 forces you to actually kind of interact with it rather than sterilely sit back and just watch it definitely. Yeah, much more involved than something that's too visual and you almost haven't got to work hard for those sorts of films. Whereas this one, as I said for Chris, would have liked it because it's intelligent and that's what I kind of meant. It it makes you almost work for it, but in a good way. Exactly. It haunts haunts rather than freaks you out immediately. Mm. It sort of just sits there and wheedles away at your brain. And actually the bit you were saying about where he sort of loses it and he's going outside and everything else like that, can't remember where I saw this, but someone did make a point about it comes not long after he's been told that Ken Loney and the Sunshine Chopper is actually a pedo in his car <laughs> at the top of the so mountain. He starts to question. Yeah. And so it's like, <laughs> you lot are all winding me up. Yeah. Now it's like, I totally believe that guy was in a helicopter and now yeah. what the fuck is real. And suddenly you're telling, and now I'm getting all phone calls coming in of this shit. And it's like, well, I've only got the audio version of that as well, so how do I know that? Yeah. And the yeah. uh, the pedophile line was when my wife looked up from her phone and she was like, "What the fuck, Bobby?" <laughs> so she wasn't paying attention to it the rest of the movie. So I was like, "You no, gotta watch." That's a great line, ever, definitely. <laughs> and that's what I loved about this film is that, as you say, it's very slow burn. It's very deliberately paced. It doesn't feel slow burn. Like it's constantly clipping along. And there's always things going because the characters are quite punchy. Yeah. So it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like it moves slowly. Um, but it does take a little while to get there. And it's it's those punctuations of comedy. So like so it, it was that <laughs> line about yes. <laughs> <laughs> it is the line about he's you know, it's a guy in his car, the line about him being a peter. Um, the Lawrence of Arabia troupe, like all that stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, ridiculous. Oh, Lawrence yeah. Arabians. So yeah. so funny. Yeah. There was there was a part of me that was sitting there thinking. I mean, obviously, you get to the point where it's like people have come in blacked up. <laughs> you know, what what is the appropriate level of that? And then I thought, would yeah. the people who were really offended by that? Would they be pleased that a child is kicked to death later on? <laughs> because it's like, well, there you go. That's what you get from that. So, because that's the weird thing as well, is because that bit's kind of funny, where it's like the way they are. Yeah, we were. To death, mm. and it's kind of the light relief moment, mm. but then goes into sort of Sydney's downturn. Yeah. Because you know she obviously you know it does prey on the mind and it is genuine, but like where they're arguing about who's going to kill the doctor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's like, well, you killed the child. No, I didn't kill the child. You did. You killed that child. Yeah. Right, then, well, you killed the dog. <laughs> and 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 that stuff, that kind of that kind of dialogue, like, didn't have to be in it, but because it was, like, those moments are like yeah. elevate this movie so much better because mm-hmm. it is very like dependent on the dialogue and the cleverness of it. 
more so than like we've talked about the visuals and stuff. So those little tiny moments are like what takes this from a good movie to just fucking fantastic. Mm, yeah. yeah. It does. It, and again, it's that, it's that point that you made, Chris, and I'm, I, I know we've made it previously in other films. It's that point at which, with current things that are actually happening in the world as well, it's kind of relevant. Mm. That point at which you do go, do you know what? I'm allowed to lose my shit now. Like, yeah, at what point this does is everyday life stop? And, yeah. like, do you know what? Not I, yet, honey. Not yet. Not for another 12 <laughs> weeks. Yeah. Then, <laughs> till then. <laughs> yeah, what, what does it take for all of us? We start getting different things happen throughout the day. I like the message that they get in French, and then he just starts reading it out. And especially having the job as a radio host in that sort of situation where you want to get the live news, and it's like, oh, yeah, let's get a scoop, and, you know, it's all great. But then you're reading it out, and at the end it says, do not translate this message. And you're like, yeah, I know. Uh, yeah. I was I mean, like, what? <laughs> like, at the end, surely you yeah. <laughs> yeah. The The best thing is, the best thing is about that is just how much that, that is both a punchline <laughs> and a horror moment. Yeah. Yeah. Moment. yeah. You know, because it is, it's, it's like, you know, that's a joke from a really good comedy. Yeah. But at that point, it's also, fuck. How deep are we now? Language like, grenade. Yeah. Yeah. destroy the world. <laughs> I think it's it, it says a lot to the. I know obviously it's a very low budget film. Um, well, you'd know that. I mean, I, I didn't. Well, know. That, I that's didn't it. Think that they used it well. The end. Well, it, it was the it was the shooting style. It felt like an eighties movie. Yeah. Like it had that really contrasted color that was on there, sort mm. of really subdued, and it had a lot of soft focus going on in the background and stuff as well, which gave it a really eighties. It kept making me think of Prince of Darkness, and I don't know why. But it had a really 80s feel to it. Um, and again, I think that's because it was made cheaper. Um, but, I mean, it, it, it looked amazing. As you say, you, you're oh, very quick yeah. to criticise oh, yes. if something's lower like budget. A, and, not uh, a real movie, no. Um, it has to be a real one. Cause, yeah. Because the, the actual the, the sort of story behind it is it's based on a book called Pontypool Changes Everything. And... It's actually an adaption that they create. They basically created this to intro them doing the book itself because the book's not the film. Oh, you see what okay. I mean? So this is kind of like there's. I think Grant Mazzy is in the book on the radio, but he's not the oh. protagonist. It's not what you oh, see in the film okay. at all. So they kind of created because they were like, oh, we can do that, and then because obviously it's. Uh, Canadian and it was the Canadian mm. broadcasting company sort of had seen the script and they said oh do you want to make this an audio play and they said yeah okay so they started doing that and as they were doing it they were like well we've got X amount of budget and we've got these people already. why don't we make it as a film anyway yeah. and they kind of expanded it from there and then apparently and they have actually done they did the radio version of it as well Oh, okay. um, Ooh, is, I'd like to listen is, to that. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's mm. slightly different, um, but it is it's still all the same actors, and you know it follows the similar beats. Because at one point they actually thought they were going to do the film was just going to be really weird. They were just going to have the sound wave, you know, at the start. Yeah, you've mm. got like the sound wave or the oscilloscope lines as Grant Mazzy's talking. Mm. That was going to be the entire film. Oh God! You know, which again, I'd, I'd watch it. Yeah. 
there is no way on earth I wouldn't watch it and I would force other people to watch it. But I know that that does not a cult classic. It makes a very niche cult classic, but not necessarily <laughs> something that's a genuinely good thing. And actually, there was another thing that came up, which again was like something where I thought I'd have probably still loved the film, but I don't know how many other people would, is the bit where Grant, just before he goes outside and he's losing it, they were going to have him look, because he's looking under his desk, yeah, you know, because it's the baby noise, and he's sort of like, yeah, he's, yeah, he's like peering under his desk. They were going to have the, a miniature ice fishing hut under his desk with the little guy, because you know they talk about like the two people in the, the sea situation with the yeah. ice fishing or whatever, yeah. like that. and they were going to have like a little dude screaming up at him, going, "Well, look, this is all gone." horribly wrong and it's fucked up here and everything and at the last minute they decided not to do that and I was like thank fuck yeah because that would be this film yeah no, too much it's totally different uh, feel mm. well it's also because they but then they said the thing was is as soon as you do that you don't trust Grant Mazzard mm. right because it's implied yeah. that he's gone off his chump at that point so for the rest of the film he's a madman yeah and that fucks the whole yeah tone of the movie sure. basically mm. so but they are apparently they still want to do sequels to it which are actually adapted from the novel and they want to do so it's going to be so it was proposed it's Pontypool and then there's going to be Pontypool Changes and then the third film was called Pontypool Changes Everything where yeah. basically it's the the aftermath of what's happened with people having to learn well Learn their new normal, as we keep being mm. told. With Sounds them good. The Think they should oh, get yeah. on with it if they're listening. Get on with it. <laughs> oh, I, I, but the, but then they said, but apparently Pontypool changes, like the second movie, was going to be you're going to have the radio in the background through all of it. So it was going to be the kickoff that you hear about. Ah. And again, I don't know. I don't know whether I want mm-hmm. to see it. If you no. see what I mean. Like we've said, because of, because of mm. how well it works as it is, mm. I don't know if I want to see people like halt, like sort of bursting through walls under a torrent yeah, people. It's boring, it's, isn't it? Really, it's been I done. I don't know if it's going to be as good yeah. as a description. No. Right. You know, it's going to. It's like what's it called? What was it? World War Z? Right. Do you just That's what I was thinking of. CGI sea of people coming out that you think. Hmm. That was no, so than, heard of yeah. a movie. <laughs> In in the few in the few visual scary visual moments in this movie, particularly one where um, where they're on the ground inside the sound booth and all the zombies are just kind of like yeah. pounding, I thought I, I found that extremely unsettling because there's barely any music. It's maybe some ambient tones here and there, but it's just like the sound of people banging on thick glass and they're just like what do we do now um and and that in the, the way they cut back and forth to that was i found to be very effective um i was going to ask you guys like what did y'all think of the character of the doctor uh i've actually got a note here it says doctor <laughs> equals arrogant prick <laughs> um, and he, he never he never gives any so the whole time it's happening he's like oh i've seen this right he's very oh, like cavalier and inquisitive about it yeah, but he never kind of elaborate. Right, this is what's happening. This is where it started. This is how it was my experience with it and how it's developed. He just kept going. GP recently. 
Yeah, exactly. I think it was probably quite... <laughs> but they're not known for their bedside. No, because no, I didn't see him fucking Google anything, which is all my yeah. doctors seem to do when I go and see him. <laughs> and they're like, drink lots of water. And I'm like, I, I, why am I here right now? Yeah. Take a nap. Okay. <laughs> Would have done that without your advice. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's weird because he's... Again, he is essentially Mr. Exposition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think by that point you so want an answer, or you so, so want that's it. clarification yeah. that you go with say, it, that you're quite happy. I liked it. him. Oh, this is this, and this is that, and this is the other. Yeah, like, so he was arrogant. He, he, but, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but he, he was trying to work it out. Yeah. He's like a classic oh. fascinated scientist, isn't he? He's like, yeah. So, but, and the fact that they've given him like a whatever accent that he's meant to have i'm not entirely sure but austrian again, possibly it could be anything but he but again it sort of is again you're going cliche sort of like the foreign scientist will go on fascinating what is happening here you know and it's like that's a b-movie character yeah but right in this you just again you just go with it and you're and I think it's you've kind of got how um, uh, like Grant Mazzy and um, Sydney are so they're happy to have someone else there who kind of has an insight, and it sort of it goes across to you, but also at the same time you're like shit. We can't actually discuss this now, can we? You've been given you've been given an answer to a situation that you cannot plan for. Because you now can't talk. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I say it's one of the things that stayed out for me as well. As you say, with the with the possible exception of the Doctor, um, it's just the how realistic the characters are. Because a lot of the time, when you have people like this, like you were saying, Bobby, when you have like a, a very close set group of people in these type of things, generally they seem, seem to be very similar characters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whereas with this, it felt like a workplace. These people had nothing in common. They didn't really like each other particularly. They were just all in the same place. Again, uh, oddly enough, the, the one thing it does remind me of, which is the first thing you and I, Bobby, ever discussed, um, and the reason we're now friends, hmm? um, uh, the battery. It's, yeah. oh, it's yeah. that same two people, nothing in common. They just happen to be stood within 10 feet of each other when shit went sideways and they've been together ever since. And it's got that same, that same feel, which, which it's, a, really it's like. a working relationship. Like you said, like, you know, the battery or, uh, uh, master blaster from, uh, beyond Thunderdome. Um, <laughs> and then this, like that, but it's so well written because it is that, um, that dynamic between the producer director and the talent, the whole movie is this tug of war of who's going to lose their shit and who's going to reel them back in and try to figure things out. Right. So on one hand you have, um, Grant Mazzy, who's, you know, the, you know, kind of arrogant old school Ted Nugent guy. Um, and he is very good at his job yet. She's always trying to bring him back down to earth and stop being such an asshole. And then that dynamic evolves throughout the whole film when he starts to lose his shit she brings him back in when she starts to lose her shit she 
he brings her back in and then Classic it's marriage darling right exactly <laughs> exactly it's it, there's a lot of sexual tension and i'm yeah, and yeah. uh in a weird working kind of way not in like a you know i'm gonna court this lady i have a crush on her it's like that desperate sexual tension anyway that went on a weird <laughs> weird tangent there all right i'm done and that's, that's why they ended with a kiss Right, well, exactly, you know, like, and, and that didn't yeah, bother me at all. A good conclusion, <laughs> right? And then it was like actually, super weird right afterwards. Yeah, um, uh, Stephen McHattie, who played Grant Mazzy and mm. Lisa Hull, who played Sydney Breyer, were married at one point. Oh, oh. they were married when they did this. Ah, oh. but I also yeah. I love really I weird. love the fact you've got like like with Laura Lang, you, you're kind of thinking like. I remember the first time you watch it, it's like, oh, she's just she's done a tour of Afghanistan. And you're like, oh, so she's going to be the badass who can? I was mm. thinking maybe a Vasquez, a Vasquez from Alien. Yeah, Boy, yeah. You know, she's she might not make it to the end, but she'll die heroically. And then it's just like, no, no, yeah, <laughs> like a properly like a virus rather than a action or you know, sort of like some sort of threat. It's just it picked someone at random, and mm. yeah, you just had bad luck. And it, yeah. yeah. Oh god! And when she's banging her head against the glass, oh, and the doctor's just so like, "Oh yeah, I've seen this before." You're like, "What? <laughs> Come on, oh, it's man!" The, it's the big tear on her mouth, the way yeah. her lips swell, and then yeah. she gets that big t- like. It's just oh, it's horrific. Um, but as you say, it's. It's horrific, but it doesn't feel over the top. Like it never feels like it's just trying to gross you out for the sake of it. It's not mm-hmm. a gore movie in any way. It's definitely an intelligent movie. Um, but yeah, those elements just kind of sit under the surface in this film, which I I I, I really appreciate. I thought it was yeah, it's amazingly written. My favourite the... character was um, Honey the Cat. I have to say. Oh, Mrs. French's cat. And the way it keeps coming back to it, and you're convinced, you're like, oh, this must be something important. And you, you kind of, there's intrigue there, and you keep wanting to know what happened to the cat. Where, how is the cat involved? Is the cat a zombie? And then, of course, nothing at all to do with the cat. Okay, then I'm not <laughs> fucking stupid, because yeah. <laughs> the whole movie... Uh, and, and to be fair, um, Adam, unlike Adam, uh, I did have herbal supplements. Uh, I have a little <laughs> bit left when I watched this movie. And I'm like, oh, going like, what? Why do they keep talking about this cat again? And I thought I missed something. Like, what? what is the purpose of it? And is yeah. it just, just this ambiguous thing that you're like, like you out. this red herring kind of thing that keeps. Well, it's because the cat's name is Honey. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's part of the terms of endearment thing. Yeah. Because mm. obviously this all kicks. Because I I don't know why oh. I've never tweaked this before, but this is the first time watching the movie that I've gone. Oh fuck! It's Valentine's Day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the air is going to be full of honey yeah. and baby mm-hmm. and you know love and sort of things like that. And it's also just... not necessarily very heavily men. <laughs> it's all about like language being meaningless and things like that, and it's mm-hmm. like it's got mm-hmm. like, there's, there's a lot of empty, there's a lot of empty sentiment knocking about, or there's a lot of sugary over the top sentiment mm-hmm. hanging around the place. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the cat's so, called Honey, so I don't know if that. Like... Why did uh, why did the word kill uh, infect? Mm-hmm. It's basically something hooks. It's just whatever you get a hook. 
it's like mm. you understand. I think of it yeah. like when you can't stop coughing. Like it's almost like you catch something at the back of your throat, but rather than like an actual physical feeling, it's a word you catch at the back of but your throat. It's like an infectious mm. tune, isn't it? Like, mm. like, like when you get a tune yeah, in your is, head, and no matter what yeah. you think, you can't get. And it's it's similar. Um, and it did make me think of. Um, my humps by yes. the black eyed peas. <laughs> yeah, it, it was that that kind of frustration because because you can see it on them that they're getting aggravated, mm. it. and and it is that like it, it's a feeling we all know when something just keeps going over and over again, and that was I think that was why I, maybe the first time why I was less. Uh, I don't know why I saw the, the story itself as a less believable negative thing because I recognised that feeling. I was like, oh yeah, I can see how that would drive you mad if you just had one very small sound bite that just ran over and over and over again. But as you say, it's 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 not just that they go mad and crazy; they do become full-on zombies, which I think is the disconnect I had with it slightly. Well, um, the term they use in the film, oh sorry, the term they used for the zombies was conversationalist and there's three stages of the conversationalist is repetition of a word something mm. gets stuck language becomes scrambled and you can't express yourself anymore and then you become so distraught you believe the only way out of it is if you get into li like physically literally into an uninfected person's mouth mm. so essentially it's people like clawing their way into other people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Whoa. Um, you know, and again, something that I think in the book I'd imagine is absolutely fucking horrific, as described in the in this film. It's because you've got things like where the guy comes in and he hasn't got his fucking hands. Mm. Yeah. Like he's just had the hands ripped off at the stumps and things like that. And you got and again, all of this is just it either if it's too good watching it if it's too good it's just going to be a don't want to see it sort of gross mm. or it's just not going to be effective because the effect doesn't work and yeah. takes you out of it in that way so again I do ponder how much and how little they are right to want to continue doing Pontypool in a showing everything way because I don't mm. know if it would work to be honest you and know you when you're like you know when you're at like a party, maybe in your younger years, and you got so shithouse drunk that you find yourself in a bedroom, face down, you're focusing on breathing over and over again. You're reminding yourself to keep breathing, yet you hear like shitty house music downstairs that's very repetitive. Yeah. And then in your head, you're thinking like, I am in the middle of a profound decline into madness right now because <laughs> yeah. the repetitiveness of the breathing mixed with the repetitiveness of the of the music downstairs like off in the distance that's kind of how i relate to what you were saying about you know that that frequent insanity of the same thing over and over and over yeah. again loses all meaning right yeah and, it's that, and then when you vomit, you feel a lot better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> it is that thing where you just, at some point, you just sit there and think, no, this is it. I have actually broken something. And right. This is not going to go right. Everyone's going to remain here in this day. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Yeah, to admit, but very true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I, I do think, as I say, although I had uh, possibly more negative things to say about it this time through, yeah, this film is still a definite recommend for me. Um, and actually, I, I was I was very pleased. I heard, so Jennifer watched it for the first time last night with me, um, and then I heard her on a Zoom chat with a load of her friends today recommending it to them. So I was like, yes, that's a good yeah, sign. that spreading the virus. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. But I think it is. It's one of those, I think, people that don't necessarily like horror obsessively, I think it's a good way in because it's a good film. It's interesting. It's not overly gory until, you know, perhaps towards the end. And by that point, you're hooked. So I think it's a, you know, as you say, it's got really good dialogue. It's got humour as well. You know, it's got a lot of aspects of it. Not the fact that it's a horror necessarily is important, really. Mm. Now, am I reading too much into the whole thing about avoid English you know, speaking French is safe. Is this the whole Canadian French thing going on? Because <laughs> they do mention about like they're saying about it being Canadian French Canadian terrorist yeah. action, aren't they? Yeah. When the BBC ring up. That's it, yeah. exactly. Um, yeah. So I, I, don't I think there was at least a slight the subtext there. He was there, yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, I'd just kind of taken it that uh, I know. Obviously, it was it was written in Canada anyway, but I'd seen it as a kind of, because it's a very bilingual place and you've got 50-50, it, it'd be a much better place to set it. Whereas if you set it in England, in London, like, well, no, maybe not in London, so like, but yeah, like if you set it in a, in a rural place <laughs> yeah. of England, like perhaps Essex, if you don't speak Essex, if you don't speak English, I speak Essex. <laughs> if you don't speak English, then there is no other language. Like, not many people here are bilingual, whereas somewhere like that, it, it, you, you do have an alternative. So when you realise there's a problem, you can go, oh, shit, there's an answer. Whereas in Essex, like, what's the alternative? Pigeon? Uh, writing stuff down, sign language, broken French combined with, Gestures. you know, words that sound a bit French. I'd probably put an O on the end of things. <laughs> hey, husbando. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, saying it very loud and over and over yes, again, like okay. you do when speaking to... You put an to... accent on and then it's not English. <laughs> no, no, it's racist. Um... <laughs> no. no. I do think, you, I think you're right, though. There must be something, because Canada's a very... It's a very unique situation where you've got, like... Actually, probably the only other place you could do it in Wales. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, yes. You know, people suddenly start speaking Welsh, because obviously that is, like, a big thing in terms of Wales. Yeah. Pride in terms of trying to keep the language alive because it's been systematically. Yeah. Funnily enough, I've been watching a BBC crime, um, you know, TV show, and when I looked at the blurb, it said, "Oh, you know, subtitles in Welsh." I was like, "What? Don't be ridiculous! They'll be speaking English, and it starts in English, and then actually most of it is in Welsh because they're in Wales and they switch between the two languages." And I'm like, oh, "Okay, yeah." Can I recommend the Welsh channel if you are in an altered state of mind? Just watch the Welsh channel because that just it can be mind-blowing, especially because sometimes you'll get in the middle of a quiz show, you can't understand anything that's going on. And it's just like, wow, this 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 will hold my attention for a good 35 minutes here now. <laughs> Bear that in mind. If we get that desperate, we've run out of films. <laughs> yeah. But it is that, because again, it's like the understand, because they talk about it's understanding is the problem. Mm. 
And yeah, so I don't know. It yeah, I've, I've got to ask: Did everyone make it to the end credits, like the end of the? Oh end no, credits? we forgot, forgot you said. Ah. I didn't understand Chris. the little vignette at the very no. end. Oh, can you explain it? Can you act it out for us, please, so we can see it? Well, basically, you, I mean, it's worth it's, it's worth YouTubing because it's like that forty seconds long. Okay. But basically, you get a black and white image, and it's um, it Mandy and Sydney Briar, apparently not the same characters, in a black and white, possibly different dimensional. It looks like Sin City. Yeah, it does. It's like that really high level black and white. And they are talking to each other like a William Burroughs story. Mm-hmm. It's all like sort of gangster, sort of like, you know, sort of very quick fire, sort of 1940s gangster, American gangster, sort of like yeah, noir sort of talking. Yeah, yeah. see, as long but as I'm around, you always be second best. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. I love you, baby. As sure as 10 dimes, I'll buy you a dollar. I love you. That kind of thing. <laughs> This is why we needed him here. This is why. But it's that same thing. It is that sort of William Burroughs. Because William Burroughs obviously famously was like obsessed with language as a virus. Where it was like actually making comprehension was the reason that the whole world is fucked. Because it's like, you know, if you didn't if you didn't have a common understanding there, I can't tell you how much I fucking hate you and want to kill you. (laughs) You know, that's a pretty... And it's like, did you do a lot of heroin, William? (laughs) Are you tired? You're not not happy, are you, dear? Um, But he was like, yeah, so he was like that language was this disease that used humanity as a host to perpetuate itself, Mm. but it does actually fuck everything up because... Basically, people can express themselves and cause the problem. Um, <laughs> and he, yeah, so he was, so that end bit just really reminds me of something like, like something out of Interzone or Naked Lunch or something like that, where it's just this sort of combination of like hard boiled detective fiction mixed with like cut up language. And because that was the other thing William Burroughs was obsessed with was chopping up language and creating new words and new forms and new sentences by rearranging stuff. Yeah, and again, that seems to be what they're doing at the end, and you get the impression that it's possible that they've survived, but reality has been so distorted by the language that they maintain it by talking this sort of stylized gibberish at each other. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And right. as they start making more sense in what they're talking about, it goes into colour. Ah. And right near the end, she calls him baby. And he puts his hand, like his finger to her lips and shushes her. And then it goes, and then it comes up thin. So rather than the end, it comes yeah. up like the French, <laughs> the end. Mm. And so, yeah, it's possible that maybe that's what the, that's what that ending is, is that basically reality has become utterly distorted. And the only way they're surviving through it is by not making any sense and speaking and... in double weird stuff and things like that. Mm. This just kind of dawned on me, too. Um, It has a very, like, I don't know how familiar you guys are with uh, Marshall McLuhan, but he was a Canadian media philosopher from the 60s that basically, when he was doing his writings, people thought he was just insane, but now in hindsight, they're like, he's a genius. (laughs) But one of his, um, and I think he was from Toronto, which kind of is appropriate, all things considered, but one of his major 
quotes or one of his major claims or thesis is that the medium is the message. So more specifically, it's not the content of what's being expressed in communication. It's actually the median in which that it comes from that affects society. So you use this for example of like, okay, so the radio got families to sit around, you know, at night together after dinner and listen to the radio. Like that's just a small example. So it's actually the, the, the medium itself is what shapes society. Whereas I feel those themes in this movie as well, because it's like one, you have that, that, motif of the radio the audio um and the in the language being the message being sent out through the airwaves and then profoundly destroying and collapsing an entire town of pontypool yeah that just kind of dawned on me when you were talking about burrows but yeah mm. yeah, no, yeah that's, right. a, I mean, that's a really that's a really good uh take on it because i think also and this is something that i am absolutely so fucking annoyed that I could not find it. I have ordered it on DVD. It is coming within the week. But um, the director, like the director Bruce McDonald and the writer Tony Burgess um, have collaborated on another film which also has Stephen Mahatty in it and Lisa Hall in it mm-hmm. called Dreamland. And she is playing a character called Lisa and he is playing a character called Johnny. And at the end of the, in this end sequence, they give themselves new names. Mm-hmm. She calls him Johnny Dead Eyes, and he calls her Lisa the Killer. And this is like some this by the looks of it is like some Lynchian noir thing about Whoa. a gangster celebrating his birthday, who wants his the only thing he wants for his birthday is the finger of a trumpet player who he hates. And uh, Henry Rollins is in it, and Juliet oh. Lewis. Yeah, and I'm like I'm, I'm pretty much sold anyway. So yeah. I really wanted to. Sort of, so I'm, I will let you guys know mm. once I've found that it's called Dreamland. So I don't know, but again, because it's the, it's definitely not a Pontypool sequel, but it feels that it could be maybe a sequel just to that like coda of forty odd seconds or whatever like that. And um, but yeah, I've. Funnily enough, because I had a look and ended up, I've ended up with a graph. Oh, that's what ha- had to happen. Right. The number of times that Tony Burgess and Bruce McDonald and Stephen Mahaffey have sort of crossed over each other's oh. careers doing different things. The film that I've half watched is a film called Septic Man, which is because Tony Burgess has now gone on to write a lot of other, they're like adaptions from some of his stories, but also write some other horror stuff and I just want to check that out and see. Mm. But there's there's one called Hellmouth, one called Ejector, but there's also this one called Septic Man, which I found on Amazon Prime. And uh, I think we might be going into slightly the other end of what we come to expect from Pontypool in that it's again a disease, but it starts off with a woman literally shitting herself to death on the toilet. Oh, it's, nice. it's, immediately it's like yeah mm. i don't think we're in pontypool anymore no. <laughs> you know i think so it does seem to be it seems to be a lot more visceral and weird but again uh but stephen mchattie's in that he plays the mayor and at the start of it is him telling the town they've got to be evacuated because of and again it's contagion it's disease and it feels very much like sort of what we're 
having going on now anyway. But the bit that made Claire laugh is that this guy, basically this guy's a sewage worker, he's the septic man who is sent into the sewers to investigate what's poisoning the water and causing the contagion. Um, but a guy turns up at the start and he said, at first it was just affecting pregnant women, children and the elderly. But now the whole town's infected. And Claire just pissed herself laughing. It was like, so basically what you're saying is everyone... It, it was fine when it was everyone else, but now men are being infected. <laughs> we really must do something about it. Um, but yeah, so I'll let you, I'll let you know how that goes, and I'm gonna. There's a few others on there as well that I want to sort of check out because I've listened to a few interviews with him, and if anything, Tony Burgess is piss funny. Um, <laughs> he was talking. It was. They said like, where did your interest in horror come from? And he said, building uh, universal model kits as a kid. But I think I used too much glue, and the the scent of that in my room at night meant that I hallucinated <laughs> really badly. <laughs> and, yeah, and he actually said something that made me think of uh, made me think of like talking about pieces and, and sleepaway camp and stuff like that. Is he said that he when he was a teenager he was seeking out the movies where he felt that that there was something wrong with the director. Yeah. Or something wrong with the writer, where it's that feeling of I feel that I don't think they give a shit. <laughs> he said like stuff like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. He even said even he even mentioned the Devil's Rejects, Ooh, like the bit, the hotel room bit specifically. And he's like, no, this is just people who are like this is just horrible. This is people sort of like saying I don't give a fuck. This is and he said and he also said and this is something I thought was genius as he was talking about if the film was badly made that was better. Because it felt like their need to distress you outweighed their level of talent. Yeah. So that it was a real strong need they had to piss you off or make you feel sick because they actually didn't have the talent to, to get do it right. And yeah, and it was sort of stuff I thought, yeah, that's a really sort of interesting thing. So I've just kind of I'm gonna I'm definitely gonna read I'm gonna read the, the novel as well because I just it's been sitting on a list, a reed pile for so long now. And is this Septic Man still that you're talking about? No, this is, this is Pontypool itself. But um, Oh, okay, okay, yeah. Uh, he, but there's three, apparently there's three novels. There's one called, it's like The Hell Nows of Belden or something. It's uh, another place name and then there's Pontypool changes everything and then there's another, there's another book after that. But um, the first one's kind of short stories and I think, I think Septic Man may come from that. And some of these other ones that he's done, but like, like I say, they cross over like Georgina Riley, Lisa Hall, and Stephen McHattie turn up in various different ones that he's written. So I think there's kind of like there's definitely a commonality there where people are still from Pontypool. That's where they're getting this what desire and want to work with him and stuff like that. Hmm. Although apparently also at the moment he's writing. Uh, he said he got approached by someone to write a children's book, and I'm quite <laughs> intrigued by that. Just like, right, so I've, I've watched Pontypool, which is like you know the creeping horror of contagion writ large into my brain, and I've seen the first twenty odd minutes of Septic Man, which are, someone has shat themselves to death, and it's like really. So now someone obviously saw the, all this and just went children's books. <laughs> he's, gonna, he, he, he's the next hungry caterpillar. <laughs> very hungry caterpillar. The very hungry pathogen. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, um, and I don't know. Has anyone seen a film called Come to Daddy with Elijah Wood? 
No, I've, I've, it's on my radar. I do want to see it. I've seen the trailer. I haven't got around to actually seeing the film yet. Because Stephen McHattie is his dad in it. Mm-hmm. And what I gather, it's like basically he goes and lives with his estranged father. Yeah, we watched the trailer. About, we got that far. Yeah. Right. In that yeah. case, that is now second on my list after the lure. There we go. Oh, fair enough. He's, uh, he's also, great. And... Hmm. Yeah, Sorry, go ahead. No, I was no, going to say it. Stephen McHattie is great because um, I, I, I only know him from uh, A History of Violence, where he has a brief part, which is a great movie. But I was like, who is this guy, and how come I haven't seen him in more stuff? I guess he's just kind of a character actor, but it's one of those like those unsung heroes that never really had any leading roles, it seems. Um, well, uh, when, we was, when me and Claire were watching Pontypool, she was saying, right, I know him, don't I? And I was like, no, you don't, but you feel you should. Because he's like, right. in a weird way, the, the first person that kind of sprung to mind was Willem Dafoe. He's mm-hmm. in that kind of, you know, where it's yeah, like, you yeah. know, Sort of like, not, I mean, he's not quite as, you know, a gremlin pulled inside out as Willem Dafoe. You know, he's not, he's not, he's not an, uh, he's not an unattractive man. But, do you know what I mean? He's, he's not, it's the he's teeth. a bit grizzled. And, and the voice, I mean, you know, he has just got an amazing voice. He's perfect mm. as a, as a DJ, you know, a radio, uh, a radio DJ. And, Absolutely. Um, but, and this is, this is something that I, he does play a grown-up Rosemary's Baby in a Tina in a TV movie called "Look What's Happened to Rosemary's Baby." <laughs> what the? Okay. What? Really? <laughs> that sounds like a Leslie Nielsen bit from like a Naked <laughs> Gun movie or something. It does, doesn't it? Oh, Repossessed. It's but this is a genuine uh, TV movie sequel in which the Antichrist Adrian has been adopted by a brothel madam. And he right. plays so he plays Rosemary's Baby, <laughs> so, but he's actually he's in quite a lot of Aronofsky for you as well, Chris. Mm. He's in the Fountain. He's in Mother. I don't think he's got again. I don't think it's big roles, but he's the narrator of basketball. Uh, Claire thought he was. <laughs> Claire thought she'd see him in a Tarantino movie. Uh, specifically, I could see that. The, yeah, mm. specifically the person who slashed a prostitute's face is how he's described. That could be a lot of Tarantino movies. Exactly. You know, it's, it's a wide range. But again, I do, I do feel he could be. He just feels like one of those guys who would just crop up in like a load of, of later Tarantinos or something like that. Um, and like I say, I mean, he's done so many of these. He's done so many films that Tony Burgess has been right, has written as well. So. And him as the mayor in the, at the start of Septic Man, it's just him doing the voiceover, and it's like we're just in Pontypool territory again because it's the same thing as you will find. And, but and the worst thing is you're watching it, and it's like, yeah, uh, symptoms are a persistent cough, uh, <laughs> feelings of nausea, and it's like, oh shit, I think I can't do it. <laughs> oh, yeah. So you know, I think you can you can take trying to invoke reality a bit too far at times. <laughs> Um, right, so yes, just to wrap things up, I think uh, I think I can say that this is definitely a strong recommend from all oh, five everyone. of us. Yes, all of the thumbs up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, actually, talking of all the thumbs up, Jennifer is almost finished reading Communion. I am indeed. Oh. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm not convinced, but it's entertaining. <laughs> are, are you suggesting that there is a very distinct possibility? <laughs> well, I feel that he Whitley believes Stringer it. may have made something up for money. 
No, I think he genuinely probably believes it, but he's always, there's very often the comments that I made sure not to tell the doctor this before I did this, so as to make sure there was no possibility. He's a little bit, you know, the lady doth protest too much here and there with, oh, and I'd never spoke to my wife about this beforehand, so she definitely couldn't have known anything about this, so, mm, yeah, maybe. I recently ordered a book that's supposed to debunk communion and it arrived at my house. And I was like, I looked, I was like, I don't want to read this shit. Like, I don't want to ruin the illusion of Whitley Strieber's true story. I was like immediate cognitive dissonance. I'm like, I'm not reading this. Post it over here. I'll read it and let you know. All right. All right. As you, as you're looking through, you just get a vision of Whitley Strieber, one tear rolling down. Exactly. to Walk away to the music from the Hulk. (laughs) very quickly before we end uh bobby um i watched a film last week uh i think i covered it on the episode that's going live tomorrow but just to give you a heads up uh i, I watched a film that was absolute dog shit uh called frankenstein created bikers uh if you can <laughs> if you can find it somewhere to watch online watch the pre-credits because it's amazing and it's got Bigfoot and you'll love it. Uh, I feel but, like you just talked about this on the last episode. Uh, yes, yes. Did I talk about it on the episode before? You did, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Don't yeah. worry then. But yeah. But, yeah, I, I am intrigued by the first, what is it, 15, 20 minutes? Yeah, well, not even that. Literally, the first five minutes is amazing. and then I can commit to that. Yeah. So, so watch it for as a five-minute show and you'll love the shit out of it. But don't then sit for an hour and 15 minutes of nonsense afterwards. But that's my recommend to you for this evening. I will report back in five minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Right. So uh, thank you very much, Bobby, for coming on this evening. Um, Thank you, man. Good to speak to you. If you're available, uh, we definitely need to arrange some more of these as we're all in lockdown and uh, scheduling is easier, even Mm -hmm. with the time difference currently. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I am available. (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I am, I love my wife and I love my dogs, but I need to talk to other human beings. And that is to insinuate that I'm at the point where I consider my dogs human beings. (laughs) Um, I have declined into, let's see, um, no sleeves. I discovered the magic of whiskey and iced coffee. Um, which is a nice afternoon treat. And then I'm also making a conscious effort to get into 90s era Iron Maiden as well. That's where I'm at, my quarantine, as far as my levels of, of boredom go. So please, um, just just reach out to me anytime. <laughs> I remember as being a young boy, uh, I think it was well the 90s. <laughs> I think it was the 90s. I do remember literally going down to Trump's record shop uh not the, trump though just no, to point no, out. No. Uh, yeah he's got nothing to do with the the current american president um going to trump's record shop on the day of release to buy uh fear of the dark on double oh, yeah. vinyl um and literally running home with it so i could get home and get it on the turntable oh, so uh quite a long way as well um from side trump, note recommendation check out the video from here to eternity it's one of the greatest insane heavy metal wonderful heavy metal videos ever made nice will do thank you from that record (laughs) i'm writing it down as we speak 
Um, yeah, so thank you ever so much for joining us this evening, Bobby. It's been thank you. a wonder as always. We'll hopefully be doing this a lot more frequently now with Indeed, things being yeah. the way they are. Um, yeah, uh, don't forget to send us your hashtag ask uh, welcome to horror questions and we will answer them in the upcoming weeks. Thanks very much. Go and listen to the amazing Not For Everyone podcast. And oh, listen to the amazing yeah. Not For oh, Everyone podcast. Oh, go on. Well done. <laughs> um, yes, so stay safe, everyone, and uh, we will see you in a week's time. Thanks very much. Good night. Hi. Stay in listen to podcasts. Bye. <laughs>